Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. Well, and a pleasant, very pleasant good evening to all of our listeners. Welcome to the Water Zone Radio Show. I'm your host, Chris Davey. Today is Thursday, December 15th, getting close to the holidays. Hope everybody is catching at least a little bit of the holiday spirit. So just want to make an announcement uh, for your guys' uh, listening pleasure. We have a great guest on the second half here today, and we'll get to that in just a minute. And we're going to have a pretty shortened first half of the show because Rob Starr, unfortunately, is unable to be on the air with us uh, today. It is with a very heavy our heart that we send our very best wishes to Rob and his family, who unfortunately, very suddenly and very sadly, just lost a close family member. So, Rob, buddy, we're thinking of you. Uh, Rob, we hope to hear from you soon here on the uh, other end of the mic. For those of you uh, so inclined, please send your good thoughts his way. Um, He's going to need them. Rob, we hope to see you back soon, buddy. All right. So last week, guys, was the Irrigation Association show and educational conference. It was in Las Vegas. It was a great show for sure. We were there, uh, Rob and I. It was a very well-attended show, and I think partly because it was in Las Vegas. But I think that the Irrigation Association was pleased uh, with the show in general. Uh, The turnout especially very well attended. We were busy, as all the booths were on the show floor. They did a terrific job. The IA did a terrific job just, you know, making it interesting again. There were lots of events, um, as we've come to expect and and as usual. Uh, All of the content that we're used to experiencing there at the IA was uh, certainly present this time at the show. So, um, yeah, kudos to the IA and all the exhibitors and uh, all the attendees. If you were there, guys, uh, you know what I was talking about. Um, It was a great show. So, as I said, sort of a different agenda tonight. We're going to start off uh, with a couple of commercials we're going to do right away because the second half of the show is pretty extended. So uh, stick with us just uh, a few more minutes, guys. We're going to go do a couple of commercials right here, and uh, then we'll be back with, with our special guest interview. And just to give you guys a hint, it may raise some shackles. So, hey, stay tuned, guys. Could be interested. Here's a couple of commercials. On board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. Moving up in this industry means getting the most out of each day, so you can focus on growing your business. With Site One, you're in control, and we're here to help. It starts with the right team. Our irrigation pros can help map out a complete, streamlined system that meet any requirements or regulation. And from the first dig to years after install, knowledgeable experts are available in branch or resources are available online to help find solutions specific to your needs. Next, we make sure you have the right tools to get the job done with the largest selection of top brands in the industry, bringing the latest in Wi-Fi enabled controllers, rotors, sprays, valves, and drip components. 
And because hard work should always be rewarded, you'll receive personalized pricing and earn loyalty points on qualifying purchases to help you grow. You're in control. Site One is here to help. Water is one of the biggest expenses for communities, HOAs, universities, golf courses, and resorts. So keeping those costs under control, especially when rates are increasing while water supplies are being reduced, are often essential to a customer's survival. Managing water requires multiple skills, which is why it's been complicated and difficult until now. AquaTrack brings multiple skills and technologies together to help large system users conserve outdoor water and improve the health of their landscapes. AquaTrack's professionals are certified landscape water managers and certified landscape irrigation auditors. The company offers audit services, upgrade advice, technical expertise, and water use monitoring. We already manage irrigation water for the largest homeowner associations in Arizona, and we're prepared to bring our knowledge and experience to help others, including landscapers and designers. Give us a call and hear how AquaTrack saved one HOA some 430 million gallons of water and $200,000 in annual water expenses. AquaTrack is Arizona-based, and you can reach us at 623-594-8689. That's 623-594-8689. Five nine four eight six eight nine. This is KCAA. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for that. Quite uh, quick repose there. We're back here. We usually say it's the second half of the Water Zone radio show, and it really is. But um, tonight, it's actually the second uh, four-fifths uh, of the radio show. You'll also notice that uh, we don't have Chris Austin from Maven's Notebook uh, on with us tonight uh, also, and that's because uh, Chris is also uh, tied up with getting ready for the uh, holiday. Uh, but uh, Maven and Chris from Maven's Notebook will be back. Uh, after this week. So we look forward to her insight on California uh, water news. So uh, as I promised, a little bit of perhaps um, raising of some shackles and a little bit of controversy here. So our guest interview, which we're going to start here in just a a minute or so, is something that um, was pre-recorded. We recorded it a few weeks back. The guest is Max Gomberg, who is the former head of the State Water Resources Control Board. Um, and it's an interview that uh, that we did that's going to spark a little bit of controversy, uh, I think, which is always good, right? As, it, as uh, it, this interview, as you hear it, it relates to the way that the state of California is handling the growing problem of uh, aridification or drought, as, a, as we know it. Um, it was an interesting interview to do. It was uh, fraught with some uh, pretty tough questions, and uh, I'll let you guys know it's edited a bit. So um, this is really just in the interest of looking at both sides of a coin, right, an alternative view, uh, if you will. I'm, I'm really not prepared to say much more. I'd really like the interview to speak for itself. So um, I don't think we'll wait uh, much longer. Let's listen to Max Gomberg and Hear what he said. Again, Max is the former head of the State Water Resources Control Board. So uh, let's listen to the interview. We're here with our featured guest today on the Water Zone. We're a very, very special person that we were uh, always wanting to get on, and now we did. And uh, so we'll we'll go at it. So his name is Max Gomberg, 
and he's formerly from the State Water Resource Board in California. And uh, Bats, welcome to the Water Zone. I appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me on. So, so one of the questions we always ask everybody who comes on, because it's interesting how everybody gets into the water business, water industry. What made you and why did you choose working in this industry? So when I was uh, finishing up graduate school at UCLA back in 2007, uh, I, I knew I wanted to come back up to the Bay Area. Uh, it's where I'm from. Friends and family were here. And uh, in terms of getting into a state job, uh, doing policy, uh, there are not too many agencies that are based in the Bay Area. I knew I didn't want to work in Sacramento at that point in time. Uh, and so one that was particularly appealing was the Public Utilities Commission uh, based in San Francisco uh, with a broad regulatory portfolio. And I actually interviewed for uh, two jobs there, a, uh, a water analyst job and an energy analyst job. And after talking to staff and others, I decided to go with water. Um, and I haven't looked back since. I uh, haven't regretted that decision. Um, there's a lot of exciting and dynamic stuff happening in energy, um, but I think the, the water field is, is actually more in need of creativity uh, and, and dynamism than, than the energy sector. And so I've had a, a, a really great experience over the past 15 years uh, being involved in all aspects of water policy uh, for the state. Uh, again, first at the Public Utilities Commission, specifically at the, the ratepayer advocate uh, within that commission, uh, and then for a decade at the State Water Board. Excellent. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so welcome to the show, Max. Um, this is Chris. So <clears throat> you spent some time with uh, California Water, State Water Resources uh, Control Board, right? And, and what during what years was that kind of what time period was that back in uh, back in the mid teens or where were we so i started with the state water resources control board at the beginning of 2012 and okay. was there through uh, the summer of this year so all right so so About you were first in yeah you were first in place and first in time i guess with the uh, with the two droughts, the one that started in 2015, which was really the modulus for starting the Water Zone radio program back in 2015. We've been seven years on the air with this um, with, with this show. Um, let me see if I can ask you a question, if you can kind of tie your your look and your view about climate change, uh, if you will, and, and its effect um, or its uh, contribution to, uh, to the drought situation back in the mid-teens and, and the one that we're, we're seeing today. Uh, we love to get comments from our, our guests about um, climate change in, in general. So what can you tell our listeners? So when I was hired at the State Water Board, uh, I was actually the first ever staff person hired to work on climate change for the board. Uh, the passage of AB 32, which is the state landmark climate law back in 2006, um, greatly expanded the role of the state's air resources board. But one of the things that uh, happened in, in the subsequent years is uh, the air resources board in, in coordination sort of with the uh, governor's office at the time realized that uh, other state agencies needed to be a part of the overall climate effort. And so positions 
staff positions that uh, were uh, initially allocated to the Air Board were then spun off to other state agencies. Uh, so uh, a, a number of agencies, including the Department of Water Resources, um, the Fish and Wildlife, the, the Water Board, um, Food and Agriculture, uh, and, and, and several other state agencies received uh, allocation in their budget to hire staff to implement AB 32, the, the, the climate law, sort of within their agencies. And again, when I started at the Water Board, I was the first uh, person ever hired under that uh, budget and, and uh, purview. And so my, my initial work at the Water Board was trying to get uh, a handle on the board's programs uh, and, and how to start incorporating uh, climate change data and modeling um, and uh, pro projections into existing programs. At the time, in, in 2012, uh, the board had a, a, a lesser scope than it does now. Um, the, the main programs at the time were the, the legacy ones, water quality, water rights. Uh, sure. And of course, the, the, the board also had uh, financial assistance because it administers the, the federal revolving loans uh, for water and, and wastewater infrastructure. I, was just I, I would say at, at the time, there was a big focus on um, what, what came to be known in policy circles as the water energy nexus. Uh, that is um, the amount of energy embedded in water systems and water uses. And so uh, our sort of initial goal was to look at uh, the, the energy footprint overall of, of California water and, and look for opportunities to reduce that um, on the, the, the premise of um, if we're reducing energy use in water, we're reducing the uh, greenhouse gas emissions associated with that energy production. So uh, that was my, my initial focus uh, at the board. Things evolved. Uh, over over the first uh, three years or so, um, as you noted, uh, the the state sort of began to enter into a deeper drought, uh, really starting in, in 2014. Uh, and at that point, um, I was asked to uh, lead the the drought response efforts, uh, particularly for uh, the urban sector. Was the was the state's kind of slowness to respond or the slowness to act was that was that starting to settle in right then about that time 2014 2015 i mean it sounds like from your comments you and the chuckle that's part of your response there um it sounds like you began to feel that about that time yeah i i think at, at that time there was a desire to uh, come up with plans uh to address climate change uh, and again, in the energy sector, there, there, there's been a lot more uh, policy movement. Um, even at that time, there were already efforts to lock in, for example, um, renewable energy production goals uh, and, and sort of move the energy uh, transformation, decarbonization um, along through both policies passed uh, by the legislature and then through state uh, regulatory agency actions, so the Air Board, the, uh, the Public Utilities Commission, the Energy Commission, uh, and uh, there was definitely desire, uh, I, I would say, within uh, the, the administration of former Governor Brown to, to do more. Um, there was also a uh, sort of default to what I would call a lot of planning and assessment work, uh, which has been a hallmark, I think, not just in California, but um, Globally, 
in, in many governments um, over the past couple decades of, well, let's gather more data, let's plan, let's run models and scenarios, um, let's do assessment after assessment as a way of avoiding having the hard dis discussions and, and the politically um, difficult decisions about uh, right. how to uh, actually respond to things uh, like ongoing more severe droughts and aridification, extreme weather, sea level rise, right, uh, expanding forest fires, all, all extreme heat, all of these climate impacts that are accelerating in, in real time. Um, so uh, there, there was a bit of frustration there, um, and, and that's when I, I sort of really began to understand the depth, if you will, of um, the of, of, of sort of the structural rules that have been in place um, for how to how to manage water in the state and how difficult it would be to untangle those. Do you, do you think, Max, there was a general sense or lack of a sense, right, maybe I'm, uh, in, in the agency back then, as to an understanding of just how how big these challenges were? I mean, was it was, you know, was it sort of kind of everybody tiptoeing around it sort of a thing or or were did you see people getting engaged? It was mixed, um, certainly within the water board at the time. There were people who I think uh, did have the foresight um, and wanted to take on more, uh, and there were people who didn't. Um, one of the the challenges I faced internally uh, was, uh, and I don't think this was uh, unique to, to my experience, but one, one of the challenges was uh, people uh, on staff in particular saying, well, you know, climate change, that's your thing. That's your program. Um, we do something else over here. Um, you want us to do something different? You you do that. Um, we're busy, uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, you know, um, it, it took a lot of work, a lot of time to uh, sort of get people to a point, particularly people in leadership, to understand climate change isn't a program, um, right? It, 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 it's not. Oh, we do water rights, and we do uh, groundwater management, and we do climate change. Uh, that, that's that's not how climate change works, um, and uh, you know, getting people who felt like their job, their existing uh, responsibilities were already full, um, to try to think about how to do things differently in response to climate change um, was was really difficult. Yeah. Did, yeah. Did, did did leadership ever get involved with putting everybody in a room and saying, hey, team, we need to do this, this and this and you need to be a, a partner player here? Uh, has, did that ever happen? It did, actually. So uh, the, the the former vice chair of the board, um, Frances Bivey Weber, uh, she was uh, really a, a champion for, for climate action. Uh, she, when I started, was, was co-chairing uh, the state's water and energy uh, climate team and really wanted uh, the board to do more. I, I worked very closely with her um, over several years. And, and before she retired in 2017, uh, I, I remember uh, about a year and a half before that, and this was in the midst of the drought, mind you, uh, she came to me and she said, you know, we really need to do a climate policy. Like, I really want to get this done. 
And I said, great. Um, if you're supporting it, I will get it done. Uh, and we did. It took, um, it took a little over a year um, and a lot of uh, sort of internal arm twisting and cat herding. But uh, we did get a policy together um, which has directives for every part of the board. And by then, the board's uh, purview had expanded. Uh, in 2014, the board acquired the drinking water program, um, which had uh, not received adequate attention in the State Department of Public Health, where it had previously been housed. Um, the groundwater law, uh, the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, SIGMA, had been passed. Um, and uh, because of the drought, we also had a uh, sort of growing urban conservation uh, regulatory program. So, so what the board uh, had to do uh, had greatly expanded uh, in the course of just a few years. And so, uh, you know, what, what I did, I had a, a team of uh, staff and attorneys assigned to me to help get this thing done. And we went around to every division, including the board's uh, enforcement division and its uh, sort of administrative uh, d divisions, we said, all right, what we are going to, the board in this policy is going to require things of you. So let's talk about what those should be. Uh, we did that for, for all of the, the state board divisions. And um, we also had uh, very substantive conversations with all nine of the regional water quality control boards uh, to uh, see what, what they would be willing to agree to do. Uh, as well. Um, and, and I'm proud of the fact that uh, we did get a policy adopted in, in 2017, um, and it has guided some of the board's work. Um, the reality, however, is that um, when it comes to the, the most politically contentious uh, aspects of, of, of water management, the water rights system, um, how groundwater is being managed, um, and sort of the, the rules around uh, when and where um, enforcement uh, under sort of these long-standing doctrines of uh, public trust and, and waste and unreasonable use actually uh, where those actually get used, if you will, um, you know, the, the fact that climate change is making things worse definitely puts more strain on those conversations. It hasn't changed the fundamental power dynamics at play. Uh, and, and that's been uh, the course of sort of growing frustration for me um, that that really intensified uh, once the the Newsom administration came in. Yeah, it's very frustrating to work under those circumstances in any job, Max, for sure. And of course, it eventually led, as as you said uh, earlier this year, to uh, to your departure. And and uh, Rob, I know you want to uh, move forward and and ask some questions, but maybe just one more piece of insight, um, Max. Any any insight as to as to how you see um, things at the state level, the agency level now since you've left, or is it kind of business as usual still? It, it's still business as, as usual. Um, you know, I, I, I try to uh, keep the cynicism at bay most days, but I, I think, uh, unfortunately, we're in a situation and we're seeing this play out, uh, not just sort of in, in California proper, but also with, the, with the, the Colorado River crisis across all of the Southwest, um, where uh, it, it's essentially going to take 
a crisis of immense proportions before anyone is going to move in a way that uh, creates um, a little bit more uh, resilience in the system. You know, I, I participated on some of the committee uh, meetings about Sigma and, and uh, AB 1888 about the water smart controllers and such. And, you know, that passed in 2012. They said it was going to be mandated throughout California. And a lot of the irrigation or most of the irrigation companies had to jump through hoops to get product ready and approved by EPA to, to do that. But yet I saw no enforcement of that. And and then the same thing with Sigma. One of the questions I asked with that, okay, so you're going to have regulations for people for new buildings and new houses and things of that sort. But what happens in two years afterwards when somebody wants to sell their home? Do they go back and have to re, re, retest or re, recertify their, their irrigation system and things of that sort? Never could get straight answers from, from any of that. And that was kind of tough to deal with. And I, I just seem, you know, from your, from your position uh, that you had, did you see, I know you mentioned at the beginning, it was tough sometimes going to different organizations within your main organization, but regulations and policies that take forever, forever, like like the Carlsbad uh, desal plant, 17 years from the time they wanted to start it till the time they turned it on. I mean, that that's a long time. And and, and with, with the growth of, of what we see happening in, in, in population and, and uh, the weather conditions changing, climate change changing, um, we need to act faster than than what we've done in the past. Do you do you think that's ever going to happen in California, uh, or even let alone the rest of the the rest of the country? But we'll stay with California since that's your main expertise. Yes, I, I think it will happen. Unfortunately, what I think it's going to take before it will happen is uh, an even longer and more severe drought than we've experienced thus far, with greater consequences um, and impacts to uh, people's lives and livelihoods in, in the environment um, than we've even dealt with uh, up until this point. Uh, there are just too many incentives for people who are in, in well positioned uh, sort of in the current system to uh, sort of allow for uh, large scale changes, um, sort of absent that. But, but let me go back to um, a point you, you raised um, about timelines um, and, and enforcement. Uh, so yes, I, I think sort of regulatory development timelines need to be expedited. Uh, I think part of the uh, solution to that, if you will, uh, is really just a resources issue. Um, if if uh, people generally want uh, better and faster decisions from the government, the, gover the, the government entities that are charged with making those decisions need to be better funded um, and, and have more staff. And, and of course, um, there is always pressure against that um, for uh, both ideological and uh, sort of other reasons um, having to do with people who, who don't want those regulatory actions to move forward more quickly. So, I, you know, that, that's an ongoing uh, political challenge, but but I also want to draw an analogy um, when it comes to sort of in, enforcement of, of uh, regulations or rules. Um, you know, we we've seen um, in, in the past several years um, the consequences um, of infrastructure that wasn't 
maintained. Uh, it, most uh, notably, um, the, the near failure of the spillway at uh, the Oroville Dam uh, several years back, but also um, increasing subsidence um, and uh, impacts to uh, sort of physical infrastructure in the valley due to overpumping of, of groundwater. And, and essentially, right, as, as a society, as a species, right, we like to build things. Um, that's fun. Um, it's exciting. Uh, maintaining those things after they're built, uh, less fun, less exciting, um, and often uh, sort of under-resourced. Uh, and, and that's a real that, that, that's a real problem in society. And I think um, that there is an analogy to, to the regulatory space as well, which is we like to pass rules, uh, generally speaking, um, whether that's laws or, or regulations. Um, creating the accountability to ensure those rules are actually being followed uh, by institutions, again, um, less fun, less exciting, um, often severely under-resourced. Uh, in fact, you may have seen uh, an article that just was published yesterday, I believe, uh, in the Sacramento Bee uh, regarding um, how little enforcement the, the Water Board has done of the existing water rights system um, with a specific reference to sort of what's going on up uh, in far northern California. Um, and uh, it, it, it points out that the, the board's enforcement power and its staffing um, are far below what they, they really need to be to make those rules meaningful. Um, and so, again, I think um, part of the challenge from an implementation perspective uh, really comes down to budget and resources. Uh, again, I, we're still, we're even seeing this play out now at the, at the federal level in a very sort of partisan ideological way uh, regarding whether the IRS should have more funding to go after people who um, are, uh, you know, uh, being untruthful or cheating on their taxes. Um, if, if, if you want uh, good enforcement in society, you have to fund it. Um, if you don't fund it, then uh, you're not going to get it. Uh, and again, that's to some people's advantage. But um, it, it really does come down to, uh, again, the, the, this, this, this well-known, but, but sort of, um, I think, uh, sort of truism that, that bears repeating, um, which is that uh, budgets are policy priorities. And so if you fund something, that shows it's a priority. And if you don't, uh, that also says it's not. Right, right. Yeah, it's funny you should mention the uh, the water cops article in the Sacramento Bee. We did read that. We did talk about it in uh, yesterday, November third's uh, Water Zone uh, broadcast, where our guest um, was uh, uh, Chris from Maven's Notebook, um, and we talked about you know how so many people are ignoring that or or even abusing it, and uh, so it, it was uh, it was it was key to uh, yesterday's uh, conversation, Max. Um, uh, any other comments before? And I, and I know Rob, I, I keep uh, pulling you off the subject of going forward and 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 letting Max talk about what he's doing uh, these days. But any any uh, closing comments on on that side, Max, before we go into the present day? Uh, just one addition, uh, which is that uh, you know, all of these state regulatory uh, sort of resources management agencies, um, whether it's on the energy side or the water side, or uh, you know, the state's regulator for oil and gas, for that matter, 
they, they, for the most part, right, are, are led by people who were appointed by the governor. Uh, and, uh, you know, governors historically, um, you know, don't want to, uh, you know, shake, shake the system uh, too hard, um, lest uh, it, it cause political uh, issues for them. Um, and uh, that's certainly the case currently. Um, I, and I just think that, uh, again, if we're, if we're going to talk about structural solutions, um, you know, I just talked about uh, sort of budgets and resources, um, but uh, we also need to talk about um, ways to have more independent decision making uh, by regulatory bodies, because uh, absent that, uh, we are going to still be faced with uh, sort of the, the short term uh, political uh, calculus by uh, governors and their immediate uh, staff um, that, that don't lend themselves towards sort of a longer term, um, more transformative process that entails uh, picking picking fights with people who have a, a lot of political power. So, not that I'm running for office and I don't, I would never will, but say I was the governor and I pronounced you as the water czar for the state. What would you? Th- Think, tell me would be the top three or four issues that we need to address immediately and, 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 and just concentrate on those until we get those done before we move on to the next projects. So the state needs an agriculture policy, uh, right? We have uh, generally, uh, and, and especially again over the past uh, decade or two, in other sectors, in energy, for example, um, we have essentially now a state energy policy, which is decarbonization, um, which is shifting uh, from fossil fuel uh, generation to renewables and a whole host of other um, uh, sort of related policies uh, on energy efficiency um, and and storage uh, and safety that all all are uh, aimed in the same direction. uh, And uh, that policy has been successful at uh, you know, significantly reducing the amount of greenhouse gas emissions uh, the energy sector uh, produces in the state. Similarly, uh, on housing, uh, particularly in the past decade, people have, um, you know, realized uh, the state has a housing crisis. Um, there needs to be a stronger policy response at the state level. It can't just be delegated to every local government um, to pass its own zoning codes. Um, that's part of what uh, has gotten us into a housing crisis in the first place. And so uh, particularly, again, over the past uh, five to 10 years, the, the legislature has gotten really involved um, and passed a, sort of a series of bills aimed at forcing um, more housing construction and in some cases overriding uh, local decision-making authority to do that. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Um, again, there's a crisis everyone is aware of it um, and uh, yet you know sort of ending it ha- has proven very difficult politically uh, because um, a-, a lot of people have, have been against greater state intervention that's starting to change so when it comes to water and agriculture um, I-, I think we're facing the same challenge uh, that is um, we have had a-, a history of leaving decisions um, at the local or regional level 
um, allowing sort of existing power players to uh, continue uh, what they have been doing, um, we now have a crisis. Uh, we have a crisis because our uh, ecosystems are dying, because people who rely on groundwater um, can't uh, get it, um, it's contaminated, um, and we have a crisis because uh, sort of the, the, the big conveyance infrastructure um, from north to south in California and, and from the Colorado River to California, um, all, all those sources are in decline. And uh, yet we, we have no actual policy direction on what to do about it. Uh, case in point, right, the, the, the Newsom administration, um, when they first came in, uh, I, I think re released a list of roughly 150 actions they said constituted a water policy. Um, they finally narrowed that down a bit. Um, in, in the document they released uh, back in August, um, but it still essentially uh, comes out as a, an all of the above strategy. Um, we'll just do all the things and, and be okay and, and uh, you know, replace the water we're losing to erdification. Um, th that's not a, uh, an actual strategy. Um, you know, an actual strategy requires prioritization. Um, and if, if I had the power of the pen, as it were, um, I would prioritize uh, water for uh, core agricultural production, um, that is for uh, sort of fruits, uh, vegetables, um, grains uh, that are core to, to diets and food security um, here. Um, prioritize water, of course, for um, uh, sort of human uh, domestic use. And, and prioritize water for the environment. Um, and if we did that, uh, yes, um, people farming alfalfa would take a hit. People farming almonds for export would take a hit. Um, I think that's necessary uh, to avoid f further shocks, um, uh, price shocks in agricultural markets, um, further um, uh, just uh, terrible impacts to uh, the environment, uh, to people reliant on wells, uh, that that are are already happening and will only uh, sort of happen more uh, if we don't change things around. So uh, number one is is we need an agricultural policy. It needs to be set at the state level. Um, and while I don't think that uh, the state should go as far as dictating what crops specifically can be grown in what areas, I do think that there needs to be a, a general regional. Uh, goal setting approach of saying, you know, this region um, has uh, sort of the, this the farmland in this region um, should be uh, used for these core crops. And, and uh, so certain other uh, crops, whether it's grapes or nuts or alfalfa, are going to be excluded. Um, I think we need to do that. Uh, I know that will sound heavy handed to some. Um, I think it is imperative. So that's number one. Um, number two is uh, undoing or abolishing the, the current water rights system for allocating uh, surface water rights uh, in the state and, and uh, building up something new, which again is, is complementary and uh, supportive of the agricultural policy. Um, the, the water rights system in the state, as has been well documented, um, is a, a poster child for ongoing structural racism. Um, uh, sort of privying um, people whose uh, water 
uh, land claims uh, predate uh, the uh, 1914 creation of, of the Water Commission, um, uh, land and, and water that was often stolen from Native peoples um, violently. And uh, the, the whole system um, is uh, rife with abuse um, and, and structurally unsound. Um, we need to uh, wipe it out and build up something better. So that's number two. Um, and uh, number three is uh, you've got to get uh, a, a better handle on groundwater. Um, the, the law that was passed in, in 2014, like all laws, represented a lot of political compromise, um, but it's, it's well understood, including by um, the law's own authors, uh, specifically former uh, State Senator Fran, Fran Pavley, um, that it, it just didn't go far enough that uh, this 20-plus this year implementation um, time frame is not up to the task of, of these increasing climate impacts um, and that uh, there are too many uh, chances for local groundwater agencies to uh, delay um, and, and we, need, we need quicker and, and more aggressive sort of state control over groundwater as well. So I think sort of those, those three um, work in tandem. And, and I guess the, the, the other part um, that, that sort of underscores all of this is, is we really need um, some, some creativity um, and, and, and imagination around um, what, what, what should the state look like in, in 20 years in terms of um, its agricultural sector, in terms of its uh, water management regime, in terms of um, its commitment to e ecological protection. Um, there's very little of that uh, sort of uh, creative visioning that goes on. Um, I think um, too many of the groups that purport to do that work, um, like the, the Public Policy Institute of California, um, really uh, mainly just um, perpetuate the status quo and, and uh, uh, sort of uh, discuss you know, small tweaks, incremental um, changes. Um, we're, we're well past the time of, of incremental changes. Um, we need transformative change. Uh, and I, I do worry that if we don't get it soon, um, the, the consequences of that are going to be felt uh, everywhere um, in ways that people uh, don't really have a good grasp on yet. Um, you know, we've, we've done a good job in the state of, of sort of moving the ball on, on urban conservation. Um, most people in our major urban areas are um, pretty well insulated from the impacts of extended drought, um, but that's not going to hold forever if we don't do something about uh, these broader issues. I totally, totally agree with that. And uh, I remember coming back, back many years, I, I met with uh, Senator Pavley about uh, all, all these things that you're discussing. She certainly was very passionate, passionate about uh, her endeavors. And same thing with uh, Spivey, uh, the same thing. I uh, Very motivated women uh, who really had the fire in their belly to do what they needed to do and, and, and try to move stuff forward. So um, you were more blessed to participate with them on a more regular basis than I did, but uh, uh, I still remember those days. They were good. Well, Chris, any follow-up questions that uh, we want to do? No, you know, I thought, Max, what a terrific synopsis and uh, and, and roundup of uh, the state circumstances and, and uh, the challenges, challenges that it faces. Maybe for our listeners, if they want to know, um, you know, what's your, in your current role, what's it, you know, kind of what are you doing right now in your, uh, in your current, current role and, and, you know, how does it relate to uh, all the things you've just told us? Certainly. So in my current role, I, I, I'm doing two 
uh, sort of types of projects. Um, one is I'm supporting advocacy efforts at the federal level to try to establish a permanent uh, low-income water assistance program. Um, we have had federal programs for decades that uh, support uh, food assistance, energy assistance, um, assistance with, with paying uh, phone bills, um, and, and so on, um, uh, to, to really uh, provide that social safety net um, to the millions of people in this country um, who are struggling in, in our economic system. There's never been a water assistance program. And uh, thankfully, um, during the, the pandemic, uh, Congress did pass a, a short-term uh, program to help people um, uh, relieve some of their water debt um, that, that people had accumulated uh, because they lost jobs, um, had health issues um, during the pandemic and were unable to pay their water bill along with uh, all the other um, basic uh, bills that, that, that people have to pay on a regular basis, energy, housing, uh, you know, food. Um, and uh, so uh, there's a group of, of advocacy, advocacy organizations um, organized as the uh, Water Equity and Climate Resilience Caucus, um, really pushing for that, that uh, level of, of federal investment in a, a permanent federal assistance program. I'm, I'm, I'm helping with that, and I'm, I'm, I'm really um, energized by that work. At the, the state level, um, I have been working with the California Water Impact Network, um, which is a uh, collection of uh, environmental organizations uh, dedicated to uh, protecting the environment, um, uh, our, our rivers and streams, um, and uh, sort of looking at ways to um, ensure that uh, there is a, a strong set of policy um, approaches to uh, our, our, our water and climate crises uh, in the state uh, beyond um, court remedies, which um, have their place, um, but, but are not uh, going to create the comprehensive uh, changes and transformation we need. Excellent. Well, Max, I'm, I'm very, very thrilled that you uh, took the time out of your busy schedule to come talk, and I'm glad you're pushing and, and, and have a passion to do what you're doing, and it needs to be done. Uh, what, one thing, uh, last question I have for you is, is uh, are you doing anything or do you see any movement on getting the water in Central California and some other places cleaned up uh, so people have uh, a way of uh, having clean water to drink? <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, th there are some efforts uh, underway to do that. Um, it often is, is a resource uh, problem. Um, I, I think really there's, there's two, two parts to it. One is to try to prevent um, additional pollution of those sources, um, whether it's from the uh, sort of class of chemicals known as uh, PFAS or, or PFOA um, uh, or, or additional nitrates from, from over uh, use of fertilizers uh, in, in agriculture. Uh, and then, of course, there's the, the cleanup of what's there uh, now. And uh, that, in part, is about resourcing enforcement um, to uh, make polluters pay. Uh, and in part, it's about um, long-term funding. Um, we have, again, at the federal level, some long-term funding programs that were set up um, to focus on cleaning up the, the most polluted sites. Uh, that's what the federal super fund program 
um, as it's known, uh, does. Um, we also have uh, a uh, nuclear decommissioning trust, um, which has money right, for, for nuclear waste, waste management. Um, uh, we have, um, you know, some money that not not, not nearly enough um, that has been um, set aside for um, dam operators uh, to uh, deal with uh, sedimentation um, and uh, sort of dam integrity issues. Um, I, I think we need a, a fund um, to draw on more broadly for uh, contamination of, of water sources. Um, and I think that everyone who has uh, some uh, responsibility for that, whether it's uh, agriculture, uh, industry, um, and, and even uh, municipal, municipalities in some cases, uh, needs to be paying into that fund uh, so that we can get uh, water sources cleaned up. Uh, but again, that fund is not a substitute for, for aggressive enforcement against entities um, that, that clearly uh, have not done their share to clean up uh, uh, contamination for which they are responsible. Um, Max, thank you very much for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us on the Water Zone. I'm sure Chris and I uh, uh, enjoyed this as much as any our listeners are going to do that. And uh, we wish you well in your endeavors and keep on pushing what you're doing because I think uh, you're the kind of guy that's going to help get things done that we need that we needed to happen. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you both for having me. Water is one of the biggest expenses for Moving up in this industry means getting the most out of each day so you can focus on growing your business. With Site One, you're in control and we're here to help. It starts with the right team. Our irrigation pros can help map out a complete streamlined system that meet any requirements or regulation. And from the first dig to years after install, knowledgeable experts are available in branch or resources are available online to help find solutions specific to your needs. Next, we make sure you have the right tools to get the job done with the largest selection of top brands in the industry, bringing the latest in Wi-Fi enabled controllers, rotors, sprays, valves, and drip components. And because hard work should always be rewarded, you'll receive personalized pricing and earn loyalty points on qualifying purchases to help you grow. You're in control. Site One is here to help.
This holiday season, immerse yourself in the Reagan Library's biggest and most extravagant Christmas exhibition yet. Experience a festive forest with over 60 decorated trees, plus artifacts from around the world, including those from the Reagan family's own Christmas celebrations. Capture your family photos in our winter wonderland. And you just may meet Santa himself. An American Christmas story now open at the Reagan Library. KCAA Loma Linda. The Legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM. NBC News Radio. I'm Brian Shook. The White House says it's preparing for the end of what's known.